This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. And praise the Lord, this is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth Radio broadcast. You're tuned in at the right time. It's 12.15 on Saturday night, and you are hooked up to a ministry that believes in the supernatural healing power of the living Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you that wherever you may be at this very moment, don't touch that dial. Because God's going to bring forth an anointed truth to touch your life in this very moment. And there is a little transaction that will take place when I begin to minister the word of God to you. And I begin to bring forth the truth. I believe and I pray and my ministry team prays that the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to speak forth through me. That it will not be me that's talking, but it will be the Spirit of your Creator, the Heavenly Father, as He begins to minister deliverance, healing, transformation in your life. You know, the broadcast is called The Transforming Truth. There is absolute truth in society today. That's because there's somebody that has declared the truth. And someone that has set the truth and someone who is truth and that's God. And he loves you and he's manifested and he's demonstrated himself to us through Jesus Christ. And as a representative of the Lord Jesus, I'm going to minister to you tonight. So I don't want you to touch that dial. And there's a very powerful truth I want to bring to you. And it will transform your life. It will take you deeper into everything that Jesus said that you could be. And so I want to welcome you tonight. And let me pray before we get started in this broadcast. Father, I thank you for every person that's listening under the sound of my voice. I thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit. He is the one that reveals to us all things and everything that's to come. He's the one that can take us farther and deeper into Jesus. Farther away from everything that has brought to us destruction and despair, depression and anxiety. And he can bring us forth into more joy and peace and understanding and illumination about who we are inside of you. And Father, I pray that people tonight who are listening will be touched I pray that you bring forth deliverance in their life, healing. And Father, I thank you for touching every person. We give you praise for it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we get started tonight, I want to make a few quick announcements. Uh, number one, we have a podcast. It's available on iTunes, On the Road with Chris Palmer. People say, well, where can I find your show? Well, we update it as pretty regularly as possible. And we put all of our archive broadcasts on that. And so we update it every now and then, but... Eventually, they all get on there. And also, I want to remind you that we have, uh, I have written a book. It's called The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation. It's on um, Amazon. You can get it, or you can go to our website, www.chrispalmerministries.com. You can get the book. It'll be a blessing to your life. It's over 360 pages of truth that will change you and bring forth a greater dimension in your walk with God, especially your relationship with the Holy Spirit, who you'll see in the book, is your connection to having a relationship with Jesus. And so I want to uh, encourage you to get that. You can go to Amazon.com and type in Chris Palmer or The Believer's Journey, and it'll come up for you. Uh, I also want to remind you that we're a listener-supported broadcast. We appreciate everybody that writes us emails, tells us that they're listening to us, and lets us know that they're praying for us, and also people that uh, donate financially to us. And so that's what keeps us on the air. And so we thank you for all of your donations. We're in our second year of the Transforming Truth and a very powerful year ahead of us. People being healed on the airwaves, people getting salvation. And so we're glad that we're able to serve Detroit and we thank you for your help. I want to talk tonight 
about something that the Spirit of God dropped in my heart. This week I was watching, excuse me, not watching, I was reading uh, through the book of Matthew. And I got to Matthew chapter 13 and the Spirit of God ministered to me and told me to begin a series. And you know me, I'm not much of a series guy, but the, the Lord told me to do a, start doing a series on something uh, called the greatest teachings ever taught. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have taught. There's, you know, religious leaders from different religions have taught things. We have great science teachers that have taught things. Uh, we have great politicians and political thinkers that have taught ideas and concepts. You know, you go all the way back into ancient Greece. You had Aristotle. You had Plato. You had Socrates. You had these great men and thinkers, people in the times of the Renaissance. The greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth and the most influential teacher none other than none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And there are literal actual accounts in the Word of God of things that he taught. And what made him an interesting teacher was the fact that Jesus taught in something called parables. And many of the teachings that he began in parables to teach, after the time that he was threatened by the religious leaders, many people don't understand them. And, you know, I remember I used to start reading the Bible. I'd get through it. I'd understand Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 5. You get into the Beatitudes, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And then you get to about Matthew chapter 13. Jesus started teaching in concepts and ideas that are not clear to somebody that's just reading it for the first time. And these are some of the greatest truths in the whole Bible. And not just the Bible, but ever taught in the world. And they're very powerful. And they have great meaning to them. And so I want to teach them. And they're none other than supernatural. And I believe that if you're listening tonight, when you start hearing what God has to say through His Son Jesus that's written in the Word of God, your life will be transformed. So I feel led to begin this teaching, greatest teachings ever taught. And I'm going to leave you with this series. Uh, and especially when I go to Italy, and I can't do my broadcast live, but I'm leaving you with a lot of teaching so when I get back, you know it, we could get back on track. And so this is what the Lord's instructed me to do. And so many times we read the parables of Christ and we miss them, we miss what he's saying, and we always say, well, I'm going to put that off for another day. And you know you've done it. You've read something in the Bible and said, I don't understand that. One day I'll get around to understanding it. Well, i got news for you. This is that day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The only thing that we have is the present and it is the now, so why not knock it out right now? And so we're going to understand these. And that's because I don't want you to have to keep going around and around these teachings because they're so life-transforming and they're so powerful. You know, there's many people today, they don't want to go deep in the Word. I've been criticized. People have said to me, why do you go so deep in the Word? Why not just be so simple? Jesus was simple. I said, was he really simple? I said, what about Matthew 13? What about Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8? A lot of the chapters where Jesus is teaching in parables, many people did not understand what he was saying. And Jesus had it that way he designed it that way he wasn't just giving out information people were taking notes he was saying things a lot of people scratched their head at what he was teaching but they kept coming back because jesus demonstrated depth to his teaching they followed jesus not just for what he was saying but they followed him because he was healing people at the same time he was providing bread for people he wasn't an abusive legalistic teacher that demanded the praise and the applause of the people without providing something sufficient to change their lives jesus was giving and he was pouring himself out night he would spend the whole night 
laying hands on people till morning. Nobody in Israel had ever seen such a, 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 a person that had so much heart and so much care and compassion and concern. They saw someone who was real. And that's what people are looking for today. But his teachings were powerfully in-depth. And it's safe to say that even his disciples were missing out of the lot of insights that he had in the Word of God. We And thank God he's given unto us his Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 14, 15, 16. And the Spirit of truth will come, will lead and guide you in all truth. He will not speak of himself, but will testify of me. And so he said, many things I have to say unto you, but you cannot understand them now, or you can't bear them now. But after the Holy Spirit has come, he'll lead and guide you into these truths. So we have a teacher, the Holy Ghost. And I have good news for you, friend. If you will just uh, have a desire to allow the Holy Spirit to come over you, he can open up these truths for you and begin to shove them and stuff them so down deep in your heart that you will have and walk in such an authentic walk of uh, in Christ that nobody could ever move you from that. And that's what God wants. And these truths are nonetheless a part of his uh, teaching and things he left for us. And so I want to get to that. Okay. Uh, there are parables that are found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And many of these parables overlap. And so it makes it difficult to just group and say, well, these are the ones in Matthew, these are the ones in Mark, and these are the ones in Luke. But for the sake of our study, I want to begin with the parables that we see first. If you start with the New Testament, you get into Matthew chapter 13, and you see about nine parables here. And these are called the kingdom parables. That's not what Jesus called them, but that's what we're going to call it because they all begin with something that says the kingdom of heaven is like unto. These parables, you'll see, present truths about the kingdom of God and present truths. You say, well, why do I care about these? What does this have to do with my life? I'm in need of financial breakthrough. I've got a crack cocaine addiction. i got, you know, uh, 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 my, it's Christmas time, and my family's coming over, and I can't even afford to get Christmas gifts with them. What does this have to do with me? Well, friend, they have everything to do with you. They have everything to do with why you're at where you are now. And if you don't understand why you're where you are now, how are you ever going to get out of it? Do you understand that where you're at right now has everything to do with what Jesus taught in this very first principle, a very first parable that we're going to look at? This is the most famous principle, parable of all, where we could get many principles from. They're supernatural, and that is the sower and the seed. Believe it or not, friend, this parable about the sower and the seed, I feel the power of God. If you're listening tonight, you need healing or deliverance, you better hook up to what I'm saying because God's going to minister it to you by the power of his spirit. You better listen to what I'm talking about tonight. This will transform your life. You say, well, I'm just coming back from seeing The Hobbit. That's good, but it's not the word. So I'm coming back from the show. It's good, but it's not the word. You're listening to Christmas music. It's fun, but it's not the word of God, and it can't transform your life. Proverbs chapter 4, 23. You know, a lot of times people want to take the word. I know somebody, they don't want to believe the Bible, but they have verses framed. They put verses on social media. I say, then why do you do this? You don't even believe the Bible. Well, it's just, I like what it is. It's cute. Okay. But it's not transforming your life. I don't need something that's cute. I need something that works, something that has power in it. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. It says right here, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You say, what does that have to do with Matthew chapter 13? It has everything to do with Matthew 13 because you're going to discover that the parable of the sower and the seed has everything to do with your heart. Jesus was concerned about your heart. The New Testament writers were concerned about your heart. 
and the prophets of old were concerned about your heart. And so this very first parable that Jesus talks about when the kingdom of God illustrates the cooperation and importance of your heart in the kingdom of God. Many of the whys that you ask today, why is this happening to so-and-so? Why is this happening to so-and-so? Why are they where they're at? Why am I where I'm at? Why is so-and-so where they're at? What is God doing? It all has to do with the heart. The Bible is full of instructions that have to do with the condition of your heart. You say, well, Brother Palmer, God plans and, and, and ordains everything. That's not true. He doesn't just ordain everything. The sovereign God who's sovereign is sovereign over his own sovereignty, is he not? What if God didn't want to plan everything? What if God decided that he just wanted to give you a free will and allow you to determine the course of your life based upon the word and the instruction that he's given you? And he has. You say, well, he's planned everything. If he's planned everything, then he's now the author of evil. And I can't live with a God that is the author of evil. And so when you take that theology that says God has determined and foreordained every event, then the people that are in hell now are in hell because he didn't elect them. And if those people were in hell, they can take comfort in knowing that God ordained them to, do, to be in hell, and he certainly has it. So <clears throat> that's why the Bible is so full of where people's hearts are at. And the very first kingdom parable that Jesus talked about has to do with guarding your heart. That's not something that God's going to do for you, brother or sister listening today. Amos... In Amos chapter 11, excuse me, Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12, he prophesied about a time coming when there would be a famine in hearing the Lord. Think about that for a second. There's famines. People don't get their crops. and You have famines in other countries that wipe people out, cause starvation. Famines are one of the most terrible things. If there's any famine that ever goes on in another country, the United States typically provides aid for those people. But in the Bible, there's a famine coming, talked about in Amos, where people cannot hear the voice of the Lord. It says in verse number 11 in Amos 8, Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor water for thirst, but hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and they shall not find it. But this is all God's talking about, <clears throat> is that their heart is hardened. Because unless your heart is in the right place, you're not going to hear God. Jeremiah speaks the same thing about people who would be so spiritually deaf and spiritually blind, they wouldn't have be able to hear the Lord. And Jesus, well, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, is what Jesus is referring to in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to see that Jesus is talking about people that refuse to hear his word. Let me read you Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, because this is what Jesus is going to quote here in this parable. He said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. You see indeed, but you don't perceive. Then he says in verse number 10, Make the heart of this people fat, make their eyes heavy, and shut their eyes. It's talking about going to sleep. Because they're lazy. Lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted, and be healed. Much of the conversion, notice it didn't say God was causing the conversion. It's talking about where is your heart? Where is your heart? You say, why did I preach the word and some people are saved and some people are not? Why do I preach the word and some people are healed and some people are not? How come I can go someplace and have a dynamic move of God and some places I do the same thing and I'm not? Where are the hearts of the people? Jesus went many places and had a lot of powerful ministry. And then he went other places and they told him to leave. And we're going to see why in just a second. And so, uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, we're going to see in just a minute, this parable 
came right after Matthew 12. And in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22, Jesus opens up a blind eye and deaf ears, physical ailments that were almost impossible to heal unless God be with that person. And Jesus does it. So he's not limited by physical hearing and he's not limited by, by physical sight. He could do that. But you'll see in just a minute he's bound and limited by blind hearts and deaf hearts. Jesus can open up your eyes physically, but he's limited many times when your eyes are spiritually blind. Unless the power of the Holy Ghost comes in and opens those up, it takes someone to yield to that, for that to occur. And so Jesus uh, uh, tells us through John the Apostle and Revelation 13, 8, the importance of having a heart that hears. So it's all over scripture. And so you'll see in just a second that maintaining your heart is so important, is so vital to your success, to your cooperation in the kingdom of God, that Jesus tackled it at his entry point into understanding how the kingdom works. You say, how does the kingdom work? You have to have your heart in the right place for it to begin to work for you. And it's going to all cooperate with your heart. So let me give you the setting of these parables. We're going to talk about the kingdom parables. You'll start to see that they have an interesting setting. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 to 34, the parables are given to the multitude by the seashore. But then in verse number 36 to 52, you'll see that Jesus backs away from the multitudes. He goes into the house and he begins to expound the next portion of parables or next section of parables to his disciples. So the first half were given to the multitude. The second half were given to the disciples. And in Matthew 13, this is a very interesting place of Scripture, because in Matthew chapter 12, the religious leaders had just rejected Jesus. They just, you know, Jesus is seen as the king of kings, and in, in, in uh, the book of Matthew. And you'll see in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 1, he was going through the Sabbath, through the corn, and he began to eat it, and the Pharisees found out, and they were upset. Then you'll see in Matthew chapter 12, 9 through 14, that after Jesus healed the man with the withered arm, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, said they were going to destroy Jesus. They were mad. They were angry. They were upset. They wanted to kill him. Then, in verse number 22, he was charged by casting out charged with casting out devils by Satan himself. And then, Matthew 31, Jesus warns of the unpardonable sin. And then the religious leaders ask Jesus for a sign, and Jesus tells them the only sign that they're going to get is when he, there's a sign of Jonah, and that is resurrection from the dead. You say, was Jonah dead? Most scholars believe that when he was in the belly of the whale, he was dead. And so Jesus ends the 12th chapter of Matthew by likening the generation to a house cleaned by a demon. Well, you say, what is that supposed to mean? It means in light of this, Jesus was saying that when a devil is, leaves a person... The house is left empty, that house is left swept, and it's left garnished. And then unless somebody filled that or occupied that house, that devil goes through dry places. He finds seven other devils more wicked than himself, and he says, let's go back, and let's go back into that man. This was a spiritual principle. And Jesus was saying that in nation Israel, because nation Israel had been swept and garnished by religious Judaism, they were left empty. And instead of receiving Jesus, it left, they were empty, and when Jesus left, it welcomed other religious demonic spirits to come in, and they were even farther from God. 
more blinded from God. It was their heart that was in the wrong place. They had uh, positioned themselves through the prophets for a reception of Jesus. But because of spiritual blindness, when the Son of God stood right before them and was casting out devils, he was doing everything in the word that the prophets had prophesied that he would do. Everything that Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, they all prophesied of the soon coming king. And he was right in front of them and they missed them because their heart was spiritually blind. And so this, after this, Jesus gets up and says, the only people that are his brothers are those that do the will of his father. And then Matthew 13, 1 begins. And it begins by saying, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. It's been a long day for Jesus. The religious leaders, he'd heal people, cast out devils, and now they were trying to kill him. And all in the same day, Jesus goes out of the house to sit by the seaside and he's going to deliver in just a few hours time some of the greatest teachings that we ever had. And this is the background. This is where they came out of. So you have to understand these events before you understand what he's about to say. You have to understand that the, the religious leaders had rejected him once and for all. They were trying to kill him. And they had just committed the unpardonable sin. Was that Jesus Christ of Nazareth stood right before them. The Savior. The Son of God. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. He whom the prophets desired to see. And the religious leaders couldn't even see it was him. In fact, not only did they couldn't see who it was. They said he was Satan. So the unpardonable sin was a position of their heart that they couldn't even tell God when they saw him. And they called him Satan. And the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost was a position of their heart. And Jesus took upon himself to teach. And he was now going to teach, but he was going to change his method. Because in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, he says... It's given, he told his disciples, it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to, to them, <clears throat> it is not given. There were certain things that now that Jesus had observed in the hearts of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that it wasn't given them to know. So this is many times people say, why is it that God speaks to so-and-so he doesn't speak to me? Well, a lot of the things that Jesus does or that the Lord does has much to do with a person's heart. He has to be able to trust somebody. He has to know that that person is inquiring and desirous to know what he's saying before God speaks to them. And so Jesus began to conceal truth according to the attitude of his listeners. See, to the crowds and to the religious leaders, these parables that Jesus was teaching concealed truth. But to the disciples, these parables revealed truth. And so you'll understand that Jesus was a master in the way that he taught because the parables either conceal truth or they reveal truth. And so what a parable does is a parable proves where a person's heart is at. A parable will determine where a person's at in their heart. So with that said, let's look at the first parable that Jesus taught. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 1. It says, The same day went Jesus out of the house. And he sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So that he went into a ship, and he sat on the whole multitude, stood on the seashore. 
and he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying. So, it said that Jesus taught them many things in parables. Well, there's only nine parables. And it was everything he said was recorded. But, there are many things within just nine parables of truth that Jesus said. These parables are uh, packed full of truth. Not just one truth. There's several truths in each parable making up the many things that Jesus taught. And he said, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. It's just a farmer. Somebody that had seed in his hand and he had a field in front of him. And it says that this farmer, when he sowed, he threw the seeds, he scattered them, and some seeds fell by the wayside. And the birds came and ate them up. Then he says, some of the seeds that he sowed fell upon the stony places, where they had not much earth or depth. They didn't go deep into the ground. They weren't covered by enough earth. And it says, forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. But, verse number 6, when the sun came up, these seeds were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some of these seeds fell among thorns. And thorns sprung up and choked them. And verse number 8 it says, But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some brought forth a hundredfold. That means all the seeds that were scattered, every last one of them popped up. Some brought forth sixtyfold and some thirtyfold. Yeah, you know, I hear this when Jesus is talking. I think about a bag of popcorn. You ever put a bag of popcorn in a microwave and you put it on for two minutes, three minutes, and then you pour it into a bowl? And you realize that there are about still a whole handful of kernels that have yet to be popped. Sometimes you do it successfully. You put it in there. You dump it out. And all the popcorns pop. And sometimes you put it in there and you dump it out. And none of the popcorns pop. This is what he's saying. How much of the seed that was sown has come to fruition? He says in some hearts, a hundred, every last kernels pop. Some only sixty. Not every kernels pop. And some only thirty. And he says this. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark chapter 4, Jesus is talking about the same parables. It's another recording of the parables in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus said concerning this parable, Know ye not this parable? And then how will you know all the parables? This simply means that the first parable that Jesus took it upon himself to teach is the one that he decided to interpret. And the way that Jesus interpreted this parable and the parts of its parable will provide clues how he interprets all the other parables. You say, well, how am I supposed to interpret what he means by this? Well, understand this about the parables of Jesus. Though there's central truth to each parable, and there is, there's a moral. We're going to see what the moral of every parable is. It's going to be powerful. God's going to touch your life. It's very powerful stuff. Though there's central truth, you have to understand that every part in the parable provides a supplemental truth. Now, you just can't go saying this means this and that means that and all these things mean this. No, no, no. You have to back it up with Scripture. It will make sense. You have to take it with a hermeneutical perspective if you want to be deep. But every part plays a supplemental truth. So you say, who's the sower? Who's the seed? What's the ground? What's the bird supposed to mean? What's the sun supposed to mean? What are these stones and thorns, all these things? What is the wayward seed? I don't know, blah, blah, blah. We're going to see in just a second. But the question I want to ask you tonight, friend, is if you've been in church before, if you've heard people preach the gospel, and you say, I'm not happy. I got depression in my life. I go to church all the time. 
I hear the preacher preach all the time. I listen to Transforming Truth radio broadcast with Reverend Chris Power, but my life is still a mess. I send money to the TV preacher. I've been going to church my whole life. But if you have been doing those things and you're still far away from God, you still haven't, you're still struggling with something in your life. This parable is going to answer the question of why you're still suffering in those issues. Because, friend, I have to tell you this tonight, that the Word of God has so much power, so much authority in it, that if that Word ever gets itself into your heart and begins to lodge itself in there and begins to go to work, it will start wearing away and overturning and pushing back everything in your life that's created you a mess. It's just that powerful. But the question is, we're going to see in just a second, what kind of soil is the word sown on when it's preached to you? When a preacher comes by and ministers the word of the Lord to you, when you hear a preacher on the radio, as myself, or on television, or you go to church, or maybe you never go to church, but you go to church this Christmas day, or Christmas Eve service somewhere. And you hear the word of God. Problem's not with the preacher. Whether you like them or not. Problem's not usually. If they're preaching the right thing. With what they're saying. Problem may be. Where's your heart at? There's only one kind of word. There's only one kind of soil. Excuse me. There's only one kind of seed. There's only one sower. But we're going to see in just a second. There are four different types of Soil. And this is what Jesus was talking about. Okay. The very first thing we have to understand in the scripture. There's somebody that's throwing the seed out. The sower is Christ. This is the person or the word of Christ. And you see this in verse number 37. The Christ is the sower. He's the one that gives the seed. And it may come through a gospel preacher. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 to 9 talks about Paul saying we've sowed. You know, we, me, I've sowed, Apollos has sowed, Peter has sowed, we've all been sowers, I've sowed, someone came alone in water, and so gospel preachers. And of course you have the ministry of the Holy Spirit that empowers gospel ministers and yourself to preach the word of God. But the sower, according to verse number 37, is Jesus. He was referring to himself. In that time, preaching the only one preaching the gospel of the kingdom, well John was preaching, but by this time he'd been deceased, or was about to be deceased actually, uh, in chapter 15, uh, but Jesus was the only one, and John were the, preaching the kingdom. And Jesus was the one at this point preaching the kingdom, and he was talking about, here comes me, I come along, and I preach the word of the kingdom. But since Jesus, the apostles preached the kingdom, the prophets preached the kingdom, you preached the kingdom, I preached the kingdom, and so anybody preaching the word of the kingdom represents a sower. But then the question is, what is the seed? Well, the seed is the word of Christ. Jesus told us that. It is the word of the kingdom. It is what's when you start testifying of Jesus, when you talk about what Jesus has done for you, you talk about how he set you free, you're preaching the king that comes from the kingdom. But here's where everything begets or becomes interesting. And that is when he begins to talk about the soil. And we're going to see in just a second that that is the human heart. Let me read to you. What it says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 23. He says, Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. This is Jesus talking. When anyone hears the word of God and the word of the kingdom and he understands it not, the wicked, says, Then cometh the wicked one, catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. Verse number 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, 
the same as he that hears the word, and with joy he receives it. Yet he has no root in himself, and endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. Verse number 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, and understands it, and brings forth fruit. Some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Now he just gave the interpretation of the parable. And I want to go ahead and go through this for just a second. And remember, you've got to keep in mind that at some point in your life, you're going to hear the gospel. You're hearing the gospel preached now. But the question is, will you receive it into your heart? Are you going to allow that gospel to penetrate you? Or are you going to allow yourself to reject it and put off the gospel? I've found the main people that have problems in their life, issues, those problems would not have come about if people would have had the right heart to begin with. And you hear these people, they say, I have all this trouble in my life. Did you go to church? Yeah. Did they ever preach to you about these things? Oh, yeah, many times, if they're honest with you. Then why are you stuck in this position? Why are you are where you are right now? I'm not talking about things that happen that are out of people's control. But you know what, friend? Most of the things in your life are not out of your control. Most of the things that you do, they're within your grasp. You may have been dealt a bad hand. You may have been born into something that you didn't ask to be born into. You may have been born with something that you wish you didn't want born with. But i got to tell you something, friend. Beyond those things, there are a lot of things in your life that you have control over. You have control over your attitude. You have your control over your attitude about God and how you look at your circumstances, how you look at what you're going through. And these are the things that you have within your realm of control. And the greatest thing that you have power over as a free agent of will is that you can determine how you're going to respond to the word of God when it's preached to you and that is something that comes from your heart how you respond when you hear the word of God preached and we're going to talk about that in just a second when we get back I'm going to talk to you about the different types of soil and we're going to see where you are with the soil that's in your heart and I want you to stay tuned because you may have some addiction in your life you may have something that is causing you misery and pain if you adjust how you receive the word of God, you take your own heart and you make an examination of your heart, you can find you can get out of those things just as quick as you came in them. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. I have a Christmas song for you tonight. And so stay tuned and we'll be back to finish this up in just a second. What child is this who On Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch our the 
ocean brings Let loving hearts enthrone Him Let the song on high The virgin sings her lullaby We're back here tonight on the Transforming Truth broadcast. We're talking tonight about the parable of the sower, the very first of the kingdom parables. And we're talking about the different types of soil. And I asked you before the break, where is your heart? How do you receive the word of God when you hear it? Well, first thing that we see in Matthew is it says that there's a wayward hearer. Jesus says the very first person that the seed or the very first ground that the seed was sown into it says it was sown and it fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured it up. Now notice right here about what happened. It says in, in, in the person who's the wayward soil. The person heard. But the issue is the person did not understand and therefore the word did not sink down deep enough. And because it didn't sink down deep enough, it produced no comprehension it produced no understanding and it didn't compute in the person's mind that's what happens many times when people go to church and they hear the gospel i'm turning this this is boring i don't want to listen to this this what else, what else is exciting and it doesn't matter who comes along even someone they might enjoy listening to they hear that gospel they hear it preached and it's only surface hearing and it doesn't sink down into their heart have you ever been around somebody when you preach to them the gospel they just don't hear it they don't hear it they don't hear it it says in ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18 having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of god through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness that is in their heart this is an ephesians 4:18 person someone that has a heart that's blind and can't comprehend the word now if you're going to pray if you know somebody like this or you are somebody like this or you hear the word and it just you don't understand it you have to pray against that spirit of blindness. Now watch why. Because listen, it's a demonic spirit that keeps people from hearing. This here, the wayward hearer, is somebody who is dealing with a demonic spirit, a literal entity called the spirit of unbelief. Notice what it says in verse number one. The birds of the air. It says the birds of the air come and devour them up. Birds are demonic spirits. That's what they're symbolic of. Some people have dreams of birds a lot of times. A lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times this means demonic activity. And you'll see that in Revelation 18, 2, Genesis 15, 11. These birds are the ones that are seeing to it that the hearers do not understand the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 talks about the spirit of unbelief. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus would shine in their heart. So you've got to understand this. That People that don't understand the word of God, they'll show no interest to it. Maybe will even mock and ridicule it, laugh at it, think it's funny, scoff at it, 
do everything they can do to take it apart and pick it apart. Jesus was saying that these wayward hearers are under the influence of demonic spirits. And now watch this. When the word doesn't sink down deep enough, then what happens is it gives opportunity for those birds to come by and take that word and snatch it from them. Now here's the thing. People read this verse many times and they think that the problem is the demonic spirit. And yes, the demonic spirit, that spirit of unbelief, comes and snatches that word right up. They hear the word of God. They hear about God so loved the world. They hear about that you can be delivered. They hear about that God took your sicknesses and took your pain and took your infirmity. And for some reason, that spirit, that bird comes by and grabs it and off away it goes. And the person's left like they never even heard the word. You sometimes think, has this person even heard the word? They did. But the real problem isn't the demonic spirit. That's what took it. The real problem is the person's heart was never able to allow the word or that seed to get down further into it to keep the bird from coming. What would have happened if that seed would have had depthness or more uh, or uh, wouldn't have been on the surface? That bird would have never have been able to access it. So when a person's in the right place, no demon spirit can come and take the word. Here's the principle. When your heart is in the right place, Satan cannot easily take the word of God that's in you. He can't just come and take the word from anyone. He can only take people, the word away from people whose hearts will not comprehend it when they hear it. So you can't always blame the devil. Because if you could always, if you say it's the spirit of unbelief, it blocked them, kept them from hearing. Yes, the spirit of unbelief, yeah, uh, it keeps them from hearing. Yes, that's true. But the only way it works is when the person's heart is in the right, we're not in the right spot. So here's the thing. If you have a family member or somebody in your life that is not hearing God, you not only have to take authority over the devil, you have to pray that the Holy Spirit come along and work with that person's heart. And ask the Lord, touch their heart, open up their heart. Holy Spirit, don't stop working on this person. Keep working. And you'll understand that many times the Holy Spirit would have moved past that person. But if you continue to petition God, you continue to stay after it, the Holy Ghost will continue to work on that person while you're interceding and praying for him because it's important to you. Not always just that person. It's important to you. You become that intercessor. Just like Abraham said, God, will you destroy it if there's 50 people? No, I won't destroy it. Will you destroy it if there's 40 righteous? No, I won't destroy it. What about if there's 30 righteous? Will you destroy it? I won't destroy it. You say, God, continue to work on this person's heart. Work on this person's heart. Work on this person's heart. And guess what? If they never come to Jesus, then you tried, and God worked on that person. On the day of judgment, they'll have to give an account. God will say, look, if this person was praying for you, this person was praying for you, and I spent 50 years, but you wouldn't change your heart. That's why God is going to be just in the end, because we're going to find out it has everything to do with people's hearts. Everything to do. That's the only thing we can control, friend. You say, well, I don't want to turn my heart. You have to make I remember one time I was ministering to a guy, and I just kept preaching to him and preaching to him. He didn't want to be saved. So why don't you want to be saved? Because I just don't want to be saved. I maybe I want to be saved. But I'm just not convicted to be saved. I said you can. Do you want? Yeah, but I'm not convicted. It's like there's a stronghold in this guy's mind. His wife said to me, "Darling, I was real young at the time. I was I think I was 19 or 20." She said, "Darling," she said, "We've been working on him for a long time. He just doesn't want to hear." I think he ended up dying. And so, uh, you it comes down to the heart. But let's talk about the stony ground here. This is what it says here. 
And I hope you understand. I hope you're receiving tonight. This is powerful teaching. The stony ground here talks about here. It says, Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. But the sun came, and they were scorched, and because they had no root, they were withered away. Now, here's the thing. People say, well, the sun came up, and it scorched. Well, the sun represents in here persecutions, afflictions. Jesus even said that himself, that the sun represents the persecutions and the afflictions and the cares of this world, things that will come up and begin to put pressure upon the seed that was sown into your heart. It says here, uh, he that hath no root in himself, for when tribulation and persecution arises. So that's what the sun represents, tri tribulation and persecution. But notice about this person, he hears the word, he receives it with joy, but it only sinks down in his heart partially. And as a result, when that sun arises, it withers away. But here's the thing again, this has nothing to do with the sun. Just like the demonic spirits, those birds weren't the problem. The real problem in this picture is not the sun. Because guess what? The sun's going to rise, is going to rise up on all the soil. It's going to rise on every, every, every seed is going to get the sun upon it. The problem is, once again, it was the ground. The people in this who are stony ground hearers, they hear it and they receive it with joy, but it only goes and sinks down partially and doesn't have depth again. These are people that receive it. It was received so quickly, but it doesn't last. You know, you see people like this. They hear a good word at church. Oh, this is a great word. This is a great word. This is a great word. Oh, this is a great word. And they're very emotional about the word. God may even do something in their life, and they get super emotional about it. But it doesn't last because it never goes down deep enough. And here's why it doesn't go down deep enough. It's because they have stones in their ground. These stones represent offenses, hurts, bondages, mental strongholds, things in your life that you, when you receive Jesus, you received him with those things in your life. Now, you can receive him with those things in your life, but friend, your ground is going to continue to remain stony unless you allow the Spirit of God, who's the Holy Ghost, to come along and begin to find every rock, every pebble, everything that's stone and hardened in your heart and begin the process of eradicating those things out of your life the moment you come to Christ. This is what I like to say is the believer, the stony ground person that comes to Christ but receives no deliverance when they come to Jesus. You know, people come to Jesus all the time, but they have things in their mind, strongholds, sexual thoughts from the past. They have witchcraft and voodoo uh, curses on their, uh, things they've involved in they bring those things with them when they get saved, but they never go through deliverance to break those things off their life. They need to get those stones out of their life. Otherwise, the word can only go in so far. And here's the thing. If they maintain those stones in their life, here comes the persecution. Here comes the affliction. And bam, the first thing they let go of is the word of God because it never got in deep enough. And the word is scorched. The next thing that we have is people that are thorny ground. Let me read to you what Jesus said about the thorny ground people. He said here, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now this is an interesting aspect. Because the person heard the word, the person received the word of God, it starts to go down and it starts to go deep. But here's what happens. Here come these thorns. And the thorns come along and they begin to choke 
the word of God out of that person. Okay? You say, well, what do the thorns represent? The thorns represent, well, the care of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and you'll see another passage tells you the lust of other things. Let me read to you what these are. Cares of this world are hardships. These are financial difficulties, things that you're going through that are difficult. Maybe your finances may be, uh, you know, you have a uh, bills on your desk or maybe you did difficulty in your marriage or difficulty with your kids, the rebellious. These are just your difficulties. Then you have something called deceitfulness of riches, greed, gain, ambitions of all kinds. You see this in Proverbs chapter eleven twenty-eight. Then you have the lusts of other things. This is a desire to do something else other than what God has called you to do. You say, well, I want to go. God called me to be a preacher, but I want to be on Wall Street. God called me to serve my church, but I'd rather give my time to the Rotary Club. I want to go and, you know, do whatever. And then you just don't, you just lust for other things other than the will of God. Then you say, there's fleshly pleasure. That's another thing. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3. This is what your flesh wants to do. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I want to go do this. Well, if you allow these things into your life, they'll become like thorns and they'll begin to choke the word of God out because all these things I just listed go toward producing in somebody's life immature fruit. And I would venture to say, that most of the saints either fall as stony ground hearers, people that are offended all the time, people that have strongholds in their life, difficulties, or thorny ground hearers who allow things to come along and produce immature fruit. Now let me tell you, thorns in a field are the result of laziness. I remember one time I used to go past the house driving home from school every day. And every day we passed this house. It seemed like every week the lawn was started getting long. Then another week went by, it got longer. And then by the next week it was quite long. And then by the time, I think summer or wherever, it was been maybe 10, 15 weeks, the grass was the size as tall as the mailbox growing through uh, cracks. You couldn't even hardly see the porch of the house. And that's because nobody was there to tend to it. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, and fleshly pleasures will begin to choke the word of God if you do not tend to the word in your life. If you go weeks without reading your Bible. Then don't put yourself on the combination if you go a day or maybe you have a busy week. You just can't hit it as hard as you used to. I just, God understands that. But I'm talking about laziness, friend. You're not listening to the Word of God. You're not going to church. You're not praying. When you do these things, you're not tending to your field. And guess what's going to start happening? Cares of this world are going to start looking appealing. The deceitfulness of riches are going to start starting to creep up in. The lust of other things are fleshly pleasures. And guess what? This is going to affect your soil. And the real problem is not with the seed. The problem is with the person who was lazy and allowed the thorns to come in. So it's a problem with the ground. You allowed your ground to become thorny. So once again, just like the stony ground, or just like the ground that was hardened, and the birds came and ate the seed up, issue is, once again, with the ground. 
But then Jesus talks about good ground hearers. These are people that Jesus says produces 30, 60, or 100 fold. He says, he that received it, the good ground is he that heareth the word and understands it. And it brings forth fruit, 100, 60, and some 30 fold return. These are people in the word of God who are honest with God. They're honest with themselves. And they're people that are honest with others. And this dependency upon the state of their heart and how they allow their heart to respond to the word of God will determine in their life if they're going to have 30-fold return, 60-fold return, or 100-fold return. That means that if 30 seeds, if 100 seeds were thrown on your ground, 30-fold people, 30 seeds to bring up. 60-fold people, 60 seeds to bring up. 100-fold, every seed springs up and bears forth fruit. Friend, the goal of this is fruit. And so the question is, this, uh, where is your heart? Because the fruit that you produce in your life is going to be determined by the state and the condition of your heart. You know, I preach deliverance on the radio. I preach healing on the radio. I want to minister to people these things. But the issue is, if a person's heart is not in the right place, they may get delivered or healed. But they'll fall back into something because they never maintain their heart or they were never careful, careful to discover what's in their hearts when they heard the word. Or they never allowed the word to go deep in their heart and let the enemy come along and carry it away. The kingdom of God is a matter of the state of the heart. What your heart does will determine what the word of the kingdom produces in you, friend. There are various responses to the word that Christ, or the word of Christ, or the word of the kingdom. This is not because of the seed. Remember, all seed produces after its kind. The seed of the kingdom produces the kingdom. Seeds of lust produce lust. Seeds of greed produce greed. Anger, anger. It all produces after its kind. So whatever a person is, is what a seed he allowed in them. See a person that's joyful and God-minded, they allowed the word of Christ to produce in them. You see a person that's angry, they allowed some other seed to be produced in them. So, you as believers, or me as believers, us as believers, we have to keep the heart with diligence in order to come to a full measure of fruitfulness in the word of the kingdom. That's why Solomon says, Keep your heart with all diligence. So as believers, the most important thing, the moral of this parable is, what are you allowing into your heart? Because whatever you allow into your heart is what you are conforming to become. Look at yourself in the mirror. Look at yourself this Christmas. Ask yourself, what am I? What have I become? Who am I today? Who am I to my kids? Who am I to my wife? You know, I saw a quote the other day, and I wish I wrote it down. And it was this. The true measure of a man is what his wife thinks of him. And that is the honest truth. A man is what his wife calls him. Because she knows him. There's no hiding. And so what does your wife think of you today, men? And women, what do your husbands think of you? What do your kids think of you? What kind of role model are you to your nephew and your niece? What does your pastor think of you? What does your congregation think of you, pastor? Um, 
and you will determine what kind of seed you've allowed into your heart and what you're producing. This is all a part of deliverance. And I want to pray for you tonight. Maybe you say, well, Reverend Palmer, I have thorny ground. I have thorns in my life. I have, I'm, I'm, I've been lazy and I've allowed those to grow. You say, I have stones in my heart. I've allowed the stones to, to I, haven't, I haven't got deliverance from them. Or maybe you say, I just, Brother Palmer, I just don't believe. But I want to believe. Help my unbelief. I want to pray for you tonight, friend. Join with me. Father, every person under the sound of my voice, I praise you and I thank you for them. Now, right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority. I take authority over everything in their life that's keeping them from hearing the gospel. I break the power of unbelief. I break the power of offense. I break the power of unforgiveness and laziness in every person listening tonight. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would go forth and prepare the soil of every heart. Make them to have hearts that are fruit unto life, God. I pray every person listening would be a fruitful person. Every person under the sound of my voice would bear fruit. And I praise you and I thank you for it, God. pray that you give them a hunger, a desire for your word. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, friend. I want to remind you, you can go on my web, uh, website, www.chrispalmerministries.com. You can partner with us financially. Or if you want to get our book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, you can uh, go to Amazon.com and type in The Believer's Journey and Chris Palmer, and it will come up. Okay? God bless you, friend. We will be back with you at the same time next week, 12.15 a.m. God bless you, and Merry Christmas to you, and we'll see you next week. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com. Or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chris Palmer Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.